You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas of Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC 258 event, which takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC 258 features a 12-fight card in total and will be aired on UFC Fight Pass, ESPN, ESPN Plus, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a women's flyweight bout between Jillian Robertson, who is 9-5, and five, and Miranda Maverick, who is 8-2. and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? As always, a couple quick shout-outs before we get rolling here. The opening betting odds that I will be quoting on this podcast are market opening prices, and they are available at MMAOzBreaker.com, UFC 258 opening betting odds from Adam Martin. So make sure you check out that article. Those are the odds where we are quoting for the openers. And, of course, the updated betting odds are from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas. Those are the current betting odds that I will be using. And if you're ever in town, make sure you head over to Circa Las Vegas, the new resort downtown. It's beautiful. you got to check out the fights or any sporting event at the world's biggest sports book. Also, Stadium Swim is definitely worth a look as well. So head over to Circa Sports in Circa Las Vegas if you're in town. Well worth the trip. And last thing, make sure you head over to UFC Fight Pass Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern. We will be doing UFC 258 on the line, and we'll be giving our best bets out on that show as well. So make sure you head over to Fight Pass and check out UFC on the line for this weekend's fights. Now that said, getting into the first fight, Maverick opened minus 225, the comeback on Robertson at plus 190. And now looking at the line over at Circus Sports, it's currently Maverick minus 145, the comeback on Robertson at plus 125. So more action market-wide came in on the underdog. I mean, a lot of respect for sure on Robertson. It's her ground game that everybody's betting um, Maverick has had some takedown ability in the past, but her defense has definitely let her down at times as well. So I think that's the narrative here. Robertson's probably going to get this to the floor and be able to grind Maverick out, possibly even submit her. I think that's what most people are thinking. The thing that they're missing out on, I believe, is that Maverick continues to improve. She's young. She's only 23 years old. It's not like Robertson is an old lady by any means. She's 25 for crying out loud. So both of these ladies are young enough that they're constantly improving. But I like what I see from Maverick. I think she's the better overall mixed martial artist. She has better striking, more of a threat on the feet. She has offensive wrestling, the ability to take Robertson down and put her on her back. And her grappling offensively is pretty solid as well. So I think the only path to victory for Robertson is getting the takedowns, which is not going to come easy. Maverick has never been submitted in her career and i think she will be able to get back up if taken down get top position and then do some damage ground and pound use her offensive submission game and obviously she will control the stand-up battle as well so i really like maverick in this spot to be honest with you and i think the opening line was a tad high but now where we're at minus 145 might be a tad low so somewhere in between is the appropriate price i believe and i'm gonna pick maverick to win i think she gets it done here and really she's definitely an interesting prospect to watch at flyweight i think she can make it all the way to a potential title shot. That's the ability this girl has if she keeps on improving at the pace that she is. So I like Maverick here. I think she gets it done. And I'm going to stick with that as well. Um, 
the main thing here is I just think Maverick is the more well-rounded fighter and Robertson is a bit of a one-trick pony. If she can get fighters on their back, she can get submissions. She is a very talented submission artist. The problem is, as Nick said, Maverick has pretty good submission defense. She's a very strong wrestler in her own right. Um, now, defensive wrestling is my main concern here because Maverick is very good if she's the aggressor, but she has had some issues uh, getting taken down. Pro Gonzalez got her down a couple times in Invicta. Now, Maverick still went on to win that fight, but that is something to at least think about that she wasn't the greatest at fending off takedown attempts. So if Robertson can get that going, then she's got a path to victory here. That being said, uh, on the feet, this is a blowout. I mean, in Maverick's UFC debut uh, against Jojua, that was impressive. I mean, she lit Jojua up. Uh, that was dominant. Uh, she had her in big trouble, and then they ended up stopping the fight after the end of the first round to a doctor stoppage. But, I mean, she was lighting her up. So... Uh, Maverick has strong wrestling, really good improving striking with some power. Um, so if Robertson cannot consistently get her down and keep her down, I think Maverick walks away with this possibly by knockout at some point, but at least by decision by outpointing her. So my pick's going to be Maverick. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Gabe Green, who is 9-3, taking on Philip Rowe, who is 7-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Green minus 145, Rowe plus 125. That was the opening market price. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Green minus 135, the comeback on Rowe plus 115. So line basically staying close to the opening price. And I think it's about right. I mean, this is a difficult fight to pick. I mean, I've been going kind of back and forth on it myself. I do give the edge to Green. I think he's a little bit more physical. He's a little bit more tough. I think Roe has definitely some intangibles you got to consider, though. I mean, he's got that length. He's got that physique. He's got that speed. He's got athleticism. I mean, he definitely could be a legit welterweight. But I, there's just so many little issues I have with him. I mean, defensively, I don't like the way he kind of backs up and lets his opponents dictate the pace of the fight sometimes. And Green is going to be pushing a high pace. Um since moving up to welterweight, really, he's fought at both lightweight and welterweight in the past. I mean, his debut against Rodriguez was actually pretty solid. It was much better than all of us anticipated. So Green, I think, at welterweight is actually a pretty good fit for him. And I think he will be putting the pressure on. I think he's the harder hitter. I think he's going to be able to maintain this upright. Or if, if this fight does get to the ground, I think he'll hold his own there as well. So, and again, difficult fight because I do like what I see from Roe. And I think he has the ability to give Green a lot of problems with Again, the length on the feet, if he uses utilizes that reach well, I think he has a pretty solid grounding game that he could give uh, Green some fits on the ground as well. But overall, I just think it's going to be Green being the bully, and I think it's going to matter when it comes to the scorecards or possibly even get a finish. So I don't trust Rowe all that much. I trust Green a little bit more at this point, but this is definitely a tough one to pick and bet. So for me, I'm actually going to stay away from it, watch it, see how it plays out. But my pick is going to be Green. Yeah, Rowe has the size and length. To, to be a really impressive welterweight, he just doesn't have uh, the consistency. Um, he also really lacks uh, some power here, and I think that's really where Gabe Green is going to find uh, his success. Uh, Roe, as Nick said, has at times just 
way too inactive and he allows his opponent to dictate things. And then sometimes he tries to make up for it by being over aggressive, which leaves openings. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities here for green to connect on the feet and uh, green should be the better striker here. I think he's going to be the guy that hits harder. And I think uh, he can take a shot a little bit better as well. Uh, Roe, did get the win on contender series, but you know, he had to come through some adversity to get that. So he, he was actually in some trouble in that fight before he ended up getting the win. So, uh, I think as long as this stays standing, green will be getting landing the better shots, the heavier shots, uh, the more impactful shots, possibly a fight ending shots. Uh, Roe does have the advantage on the ground, but, uh, he doesn't really have the, the wrestling to get it there even with Green not being particularly good with his takedown defense. So uh, I think Green uh, makes up for that competitive loss to Daniel Rodriguez and gets that first UFC victory. So uh, Green by TKO is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Ricky Simone, who is 17-3, taking on Brian Kelleher, who is 22-11. Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Simone minus 300, Kelleher plus 240. That was the opening price. Right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we have Simone minus 235, the comeback on Kelleher plus 200. This is another tough one. I mean, Simone, obviously, in my opinion, is the better fighter across the board. I mean, I think he's the better striker, more technical. I think he's the better jiu-jitsu practitioner overall. I think he's a better wrestler here. So I think Everything kind of points to him getting this win. I think he can outpoint Kelleher. He could dictate the pace again, and it'll be kind of clear who the better fighter is. But make no mistake, Kelleher, Kelleher is game. He shows up to fight every time. He's got dangerous power on the feet that you have to respect. He's got a sick guillotine choke, and he's an op- opportunistic submission artist, meaning that if he gets an opening, he'll take it. And Simone oftentimes will fight to the level of his competition, and that's what worries me a little bit here as well. So in my opinion, this is – Pretty clear. I think Simone is just a level above Kelleher, and he should not lose his fight. So it's really up to him on his how he performs. If he doesn't get caught, he should roll here in this fight. So I'm going to pick Simone, but I'm staying away from it, honestly. I mean, at minus 235, I think Kelleher is just dangerous enough to get my respect and not want to lay that chalk on Simone. So for me, Simone wins here. He should win. He's the better fighter, but the price is high enough to keep me away still. So the pick is Simone. Yeah, Simone pushes that crazy high tempo. He's aggressive with takedowns. Um, I think he's the better overall technical striker as well. Um, he just does a little, everything a little bit better than Kelleher. Uh, the only thing that I'm really concerned about is that Simone has been caught before. So, uh, and Kelleher does have a little bit of pop and, uh, Simone could potentially get caught with a, a submission as well. And Kelleher does have some sneaky guillotine chokes with, uh, with Simone, you know, shooting in for takedowns that could open up an opportunity for Kelleher to, to latch onto something. But, um, with both of these guys making pretty quick turnarounds, uh, I totally understand why they're fighting at 145. Just, you know what? Let's just not have a crazy difficult weight cut. Uh, they're both fighters that have, Normally fought at 135, so I don't think either will have that big of an advantage either way in terms of size, although Kelleher has fought at 145 before. Um, but I just think Simone's the better fighter here, and as long as he doesn't get caught with uh, a big shot from Kelleher or you know a guillotine or something, he should be in good shape. I think uh, 
Simone by decision is a pretty safe bet here. So Simone's going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to a 140-pound catchweight, we have Andre Ewell, who is 17 and 6, taking on Chris Gutierrez, who is 15, 3, and 2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Goodyear has opened minus 190 to come back on Yule plus 165. And that was bet down all the way to the current market price. Right now over at Circus Sports, we have minus 130 on Goodyear as the comeback on Yule plus 110. Market-wide, it's about minus 135-ish out there on average. So it's come down quite a bit, and rightfully so. I mean, Yule, again, you want to talk about physique, skill level for 135 pounds or so. I mean, Yule has – all the intangibles to make a run towards that Bantamweight title. I mean, the length that he has, he's got good speed. He's got good power. He's got good hands, really. I mean, he's not a bad striker. I love his knee ability in the clinch as well, and he's got good timing with it. He's got wrestling. He's got grappling. Uh, but he's had defensive moments in his career where he hasn't looked that great. He's been put on his back. Um, obviously, he's been hurt in fights before as well. He starts to slow down as he gets it round two and round three. And that's one problem I have with Ewell. He's a front runner, basically. I mean, he'll start off really strong and win round one, and then he lets his opponents kind of catch up to him as the fight progresses a little bit, and it becomes a sweat. So I think that's what he's going to get here as well. I mean, Gutierrez, I think, is overall the more technical and the better striker, but again, he's going to be at a reach disadvantage, and I think Ewell has the better hands here, but I think he has to worry about Gutierrez's kicking game. I mean, the timing of his kicks and the movement that Gutierrez puts together on the feet and the way he goes about it, it's fun to watch, man. I mean, this guy's leg kicks are nasty. He puts his combinations together really well, and he's the type of fighter that has to train on his sprawl and brawl tactics, meaning he knows most opponents are going to try to take him down, so he continues to improve his wrestling defense. So Gutierrez definitely has a path to victory, and I can understand why he's a slight favorite. I'm still going to lean a little bit more towards Yule because I think he can mix things up well enough, and he has a slight ground advantage here, obviously, as well. That if it hits the scorecards, I think you will, will probably edge out a very close competitive type of decision. I mean, both of these guys, when they hit the scorecards, it's usually a split decision type of fight, and I think we're going to see that again. So for me, I just can't lay the the chalk on Gutierrez, even if it's small here. I think it's probably a dog or pass situation. Not saying I would bet Yule because I think the value's kind of been sucked out of it at this point. I mean, if if you got Yule plus one sixty five. I can understand it. I mean, there's no doubt. It's no hesitation. You've got to make a bet there. But now it's at plus 110. It does make you hesitate a little bit, but it's still probably a dog or pass situation. So for me, I'm going to pick Yule to win this fight, but he definitely has to respect Gutierrez's striking and has to be careful and fight a very smart game plan to win this fight. But I think he could do his, his Yule. And I'm going to go the other way. Uh, I And I'm going to use Nick's logic uh, against him here. Yeah, Yule is a bit of a front runner and I can see him winning that first round, but I'm just not sure he wins the next two. Um, Gutierrez is a talented striker. Uh, this guy can crack with uh, his hands, but those uh, leg kicks can be absolutely devastating. And with Yule being so long and lanky, I think those legs are going to be a ripe target uh, for Gutierrez to, to attack with those leg kicks. So... Um, maybe you will start strong with the, you know, he's, he's light on his feet. He has a good jab, um, and he's going to connect with that early. But if Gutierrez can find a home for those leg kicks, I think he's going to slow you all down and you will already has a tendency to slow down in fights. So he'll slow down even more here and then, uh, could get set up for a late finish or 
uh, Gutierrez just winning the last two rounds and taking a decision. Uh, the only thing I'm really concerned about is perhaps Ewell utilizing some of his wrestling and taking Gutierrez off of his feet because he should have an edge there. But uh, Ewell typically likes to, to stand and bang and, and utilize, you know, good movement on the feet and, and his range. So if he does that, I think Gutierrez has a good chance to, to play catch up here after that first round. So uh, my pick's going to be Gutierrez. Now, dropping down to the strawweight division, we have Pollyanna Viana, who is 11 and 4, taking on Mallory Martin, who is 7 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Martin opened minus 125, Vienna plus 105. And right now we're looking over at Circus Sports, and it's Martin minus 145, the comeback on Vienna plus 125. A lot of people would be surprised by the opening market price and where we're at now because more action overall has come in on Vienna. So the line originally got bet up market-wide, and now it's coming back down a little bit because I think one of the most popular dog plays on this card this weekend is Viana. It seems like she's definitely somebody everybody's kind of keen in on because I think Martin – Despite her win in her last fight, and it was a pretty solid performance over Cyphers, a lot of people, I think, lost a lot of respect for her because she got rocked bad and almost finished in that first round. Um, and Viana has a lot of power, and she also has a good grounding game going along with it. So I think the narrative is that Martin is not going to win this fight. She's going to get busted up on the feet. If she takes this to the ground, she's going to get submitted there as well. I don't know. I'm not so sure about this. I think Martin's a little bit more proven at this point, meaning that – from what I've seen throughout her career, even pre-UFC, I mean, she's putting things together well. I think she can hang on the feet a little bit. I mean, she has to be cautious for sure because she is hittable, but I think she has the better wrestling. I think she can get top position on the ground, and I think she can get away with playing the ground game with Vienna without getting submitted. So I think this is going to be a very competitive fight. I think Martin's going to be pushing a little bit of a higher pace. It's going to be back and forth, but I really think that Martin's going to edge it out. If it hits the scorecards, she's going to win. I also think that people are sleeping on Martin's submission ability. I think she does have a chance, and I wouldn't be shocked if she takes me on his back or something like that and then ends up submitting her. So this is going to be a very interesting fight. I'm going to kind of fade the public and the narrative here that everybody's kind of pretty much jumping on Viana's bandwagon and, and thinking she's going to get it done. Look, I think she's a very underrated fighter, and she hasn't had the success that she probably should thus far in the UFC. But I still think that Martin – probably edges this one out. So I'm going to go Martin. Now, would I lay minus 145? No, I would stay away from that price because, again, it's going to be a competitive fight. A lot of ladies' fights are competitive. I mean, they're usually durable. They're tough. They bring it. They have good conditioning. And when it hits the scorecards, they're very close. So I think this is another one of those fights, and it's hard to lay the chalk here in a competitive fight like that. So I can understand it's a dog or pass situation, but as far as a pure pick goes, I think Martin edges this out, like I said, and I think she's going to win the fight. So I'm going to pick Martin to win. Um, I could totally see Martin winning a decision here. Um, that being said, uh, I think Viana has uh, the better chances of pulling off a, a stoppage. Um, I think Viana is more dangerous with submissions. Um, Viana is uh, more dangerous with pure punching power. And, you know, we've seen Martin get in uh, a little bit of trouble at times, whether it was, you know, getting caught or uh, getting clipped. So uh, I really do think that Viana has all the talent in the world. Now, she doesn't always fight to that to that level, and she can be very frustrating at times. Um, you know, there's been multiple times throughout her run where uh, she just did not fight to the level she's capable of and then loses to people that she should not be losing to. But 
then she goes out and takes care of business against good fighters. So um, you just kind of have to have a little faith that she's going to fight to the level of her ability. Um, you know, she's 28 years old. She is in her athletic prime and she's just coming off of a really strong performance. I mean, first round armbar against Emily Whitmire. I think that was the best performance of her career other than her uh, first round knockout of Amanda Rebus back in jungle fight in 2015. So I think that that kind of righted the ship a little bit for Viana. So um, there's going to be a chance here for Viana to knock Martin out on the feet. And there's going to be a chance for her to catch her with like an arm bar or a choke or something on the ground. Um, now Martin could outpoint her on the feet. Martin could utilize her wrestling and take top position and win that way as well. So I'm concerned about that, but I think given 15 minutes, Viana's going to find a path to victory here, whether it's by submission or knockout. So I'm going to go with uh, Pollyanna Viana. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Diego Lima, who is 15 and 7, taking on Bilal Muhammad, who is 17 and 3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Muhammad opened minus 350, the comeback on Lima, plus 285. And right now, what we're seeing at Circus Sports, Muhammad minus 445, the comeback on Lima, plus 360. Not surprised the line got bet up a little bit. Muhammad on a roll, a pretty popular fighter across the board, I think, amongst MMA fans in general, social media. I mean, he gets out there. He's got his own show now he's doing on the Anik and Florian podcast network, so worth checking out as well. So he's doing a lot of good things, and he's an excellent fighter, obviously, as well. So everything's kind of coming together for him. I mean, this guy has speed. He's got power, probably underrated power somewhat in his hands for sure. Um, he, He can mix in good kicks. The kicking game is on. And then, of course, he's got wrestling. He's got it all. He's got the submission ability. So the only issue I have with Muhammad is he is hittable at times, and we've seen him get hurt in fights or whatnot. But he's tough, man. It's hard to get him out of there, and he does push the pace. Lima, on the other hand, I think has looked pretty good. I mean, overall, especially in this little run that he's got in the UFC, I mean, he's won three in a row. And historically, Lima has been a great fighter. It's just his chin has not held up, and he's the type of fighter that can be taken down. And if he doesn't submit you on the ground, um, obviously, he could lose that way as well. So he's getting better, though. He's improving those areas for sure. His chin's holding up, and he's looked pretty good. So I think this is going to be more competitive than people are, are giving Lima credit for. But still, ultimately, it's a very tough fight to beat a guy like Muhammad and a tough job to get in there and, and try to steal a decision from him the way Muhammad fights. Because I think like, he can mix in some takedowns. I think he will outpoint Lima on the feet. And there's also that knockout possibility as well. But at minus 400 and above, the people are kind of going crazy with Muhammad. I, I get it. He should win this fight. I mean, again, I think everybody kind of got the value already. I mean, minus 350 where, is where it's at now. It's almost 100 cents higher. It's heading towards 500 in some places. So, at that point, you got to kind of stay away from it. So I wouldn't even recommend anything here at this point. But I do think Muhammad wins. Uh, Muhammad is the better fighter, and I think he probably shows it here. But I am expecting it to be a little bit more competitive until maybe it's not, if that makes sense. Meaning it'll be a competitive fight, and then maybe Muhammad drops him, knocks him out, or something like that as well. Um, or if it hits the scorecards, it'll be a 29-28 type of uh, decision win for Muhammad as well. So my pick is Muhammad. And I'm going to go Muhammad as well. Uh, you know, Diego Lima is fighting at a decent level. I th- three fight win streaks, nothing to scoff at, but, uh, this is definitely the toughest fight he's had during that stretch. Uh, Muhammad is a guy that fights at a very high pace 
He pushes a good tempo on the feet, so he's going to be outpointing Lima on the feet, and he might mix in takedowns as well and get top position. Uh, Muhammad uh, could get caught. I mean, Lima does have some power, and Lima has some good submission ability, so there are going to be opportunities for Lima to finish this fight, but unless he does, I think he loses. I just don't see Lima squeaking out like a split decision in this one like he has been recently. Uh, Muhammad just pushes too high of a tempo and scores too many points throughout a fight. So I think the most likely outcome here is uh, Muhammad just overwhelms Lima in each of the three rounds um, and wins a decision. Uh, possibly even finishes Lima along the way if he clips him with something decent because uh, Lima also has some durability issues. So uh, Lima's got a chance to victory. It's just slim because he's going to have to catch Muhammad and get a finish. And while Muhammad is, you know, not the most durable guy, he tends to recover if he does get clipped. So uh, my pick is going to be Muhammad. Now moving on to the preliminary card headliner, we have Rodolfo Vieira in a middleweight matchup. He is 7-0, and taking on Anthony Hernandez, who is 7-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Vieira opened minus 400 to come back on Hernandez at plus 300. And right now over at Circa Sports, we currently have Vieira at minus 385, plus 315. So line basically staying where it opened. I think it's appropriately set. I mean, obviously, Vieira, those of us that know him, we know what he's about. It's all about the ground, and this guy's phenomenal. I mean, he all of his wins, I believe, Brian mentioned pre-podcast and looking at his through his resume, have been by submission. So that's obviously how he gets the uh, job done. He's just got such a dominant jiu-jitsu game that if you get on the ground with this guy, he's going to finish you. And Hernandez has been finished that way in the past as well. So you got to kind of keep the line up high. I mean, just such a dominant grappler, and the path of victory is obviously clear here. For Hernandez, though, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give him a lot more respect and credit than people realize because I think there's a lot of good he can do in this fight. If he can kind of weather that early first-round storm and take this into the deeper waters, I think he is going to end up being the more dominant striker on the feet. I think Vieira will slow down as the fight progresses a little bit. I think he could probably end up stuffing some takedowns, and I think he can make this an interesting fight. And we've seen Vieira get caught and busted up a little bit in the past. And, I mean, he's tough. He's hard to get out there. But, I mean, it's not out of the question that Hernandez could possibly do that. I mean, in the LFA, or or pre-UFC, we should say, to be a little bit more precise. But, I mean, he's fought the likes of Brandon Allen. And, um, you know, at, I believe it was LFA 32. And... Allen is a very good submission artist. We know that. He was able to win a decision against Allen. Now, again, Allen's improved quite a bit, I mean, especially since he made it over to the UFC. But still, I'm just saying he's fought against really good submission grapplers in the past. Not on the level of Vieira, of course, but and he's done okay with them. So I think that people are probably not giving Hernandez enough respect. But plain and simple, I mean, I don't think he's going to win this fight. I think Vieira will eventually get this to the floor. And when he does, I mean, he's going to do his thing. He's going to look for that position he's going to try to get that arm triangle choke or take his back and submit him and i think he could probably get it done so my pick is Vieira. i I just think it could be an interesting fight if hernandez could hang on and not get finished early so bottom line Vieira by submission is probably the way it goes yeah i mean hernandez has the path to victory here he isn't a terrible striker he's got some pop um and he held his own against uh, brandon allen that being said he did get submitted by Marcus Perez, somebody that uh, does not have as good of 
uh, wrestling ability as Vieira and somebody that I don't think has as good of submission ability as Rodolfo Vieira. I mean, Vieira is a killer on the ground. I mean, this guy is physical, he's strong, um, he's big, and he is consistently honing his skills by competing against elite grapplers, whether it's uh, outside in uh, submission jiu-jitsu competitions um, or, you know, just his training. So, uh, so far he's fought seven times in MMA and he's finished his opponent all seven times on the ground, six by submission, one by ground and pound. And I think the most likely outcome here is he drags this to the floor and either submits Hernandez or possibly uh, pounds him out. Um, now, if Hernandez is able to survive and get two of the feet and, you know, slow Vieira down, he's got a chance, but I think that's the least likely outcome here. I think Vieira, uh, by stoppage on the ground, is more often than not what's going to happen. So Vieira is going to be my pick. Now, kicking off the main card, we have another middleweight contest featuring Julian Marquez, who is seven and two, and Maki Patolo, who is thirteen and seven. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Marquez opened minus 185, the comeback on Patolo, plus 160. Right now, over at Circus Sports, we are seeing minus 165, Marquez, the comeback on Patolo, at plus 145. Interesting fight. Marquez would be a bigger favorite, I think, in this spot if he didn't have that horrendous injury. And, you know, his shoulder at one point, I mean, reading different info on him, I mean, he was thought maybe not to compete again. I mean, that's how bad his injury was, but he did recover. He's ready to go. I mean, by all accounts, that's why he's taking this fight. And I think he does have a significant edge in this fight. I mean, he's bigger, stronger. I think he could kind of bully Patolo around. He's got to be careful because Patolo, I think at 185, especially, I mean, this guy's kind of smaller for the weight class, but he utilizes that well because he's not drained from a weight cut to 170. And I think he's got the speed and enough power in the feet in that striking aspect that he can make life miserable for a lot of people, but he can be put on his back. He can be controlled. He can be bullied a little bit. And I think Marquez is just that a bully. I think he hits hard. He's obviously the type of guy that's going to be a physical grinder. He can get you up against a cage and work some dirty boxing, some knee attack in a clinch, get you down to the ground, start pounding you that way as well. So I do think the advantages lie with Marquez in this fight. So the only hesitation at all would be, again, he's taken you know a couple years off and to recover from that injury. So we're not sure exactly what we're going to see from him. But make no mistake, I think he is a level above Patolo. And if he could get this win under his belt and kind of keep his momentum going and get back on track and get a few fights in this year, I mean, this guy could be legitly one of – the top tier middleweights in about a year from now, I think really. So it depends. He needs to keep on improving of course, but I mean, if he can stay healthy, I think he could get to that point. So it's interesting to see where he goes from here, but I think Marquez should win this fight. I think Patolo's only real path to victory here is honestly knocking Marquez out or possibly hoping Marquez slows down to the point where he can steal rounds two and three. I just think it's going to be very difficult for him to do that. So my pick is Marquez and at minus 165, there probably is a little bit of value there as well. Yeah, uh, Patolo is an exciting fighter, but he has struggled to find success in uh, the UFC so far. Um, most recently going uh, one and three in his last four fights um, and getting finished by Darren Stewart. And most recently, uh, Cassangani winning a pretty one-sided decision against him. Now, uh, Marquez, the main thing we're concerned about here heading into this fight is 
where he's at physically because he had a pretty bad shoulder injury that has kept him out of the cage. He hasn't fought in uh, over a year and a half now. Uh, actually, two and a half years, I mean. So uh, the last time we saw him was a split decision loss to Alessio DeChirico. Now, before that, I mean, this guy looked like he was one of the next big things. Uh, he had a stoppage victory against Darren Stewart. He knocked out Phil Hawes on the Contender Series. Uh, he knocked out Matt Hamill back in the day on Combates Americas. So, uh, you know, this guy clearly has uh, power. He had speed. He has submissions. Um, kind of ferocious. So if he's back to that same level, I don't think this fight's close. It just boils down to, is he going to be the same guy? Uh, if he's even close to that same guy, he should win convincingly, I think. Um, he's just going to have uh, more power, more technique, and better submissions. But if uh, he's a shell of himself, and we just won't know for sure, um, then Patolo's definitely going to have the chance to pull off the upset here. But uh, that being said, uh, the skill disparity is pretty high, and Patolo, it feels like, is kind of being thrown to the wolves here as a bounce-back fight for Marquez. So it's a very winnable fight for Marquez if he's back. If he's not, this gets interesting in a hurry, but uh, I'm thinking he's not going to come back if he's not back-back. So um, I think he overcomes that shoulder injury that sidelined him for so long, and he gets the win here. So Marquez is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Bobby Green, who is 27-11-1, taking on Jim Miller, who is 32-15. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Green opened minus 300, the comeback on Miller plus 250. And right now, looking over Circus Sports, we are seeing Bobby Green at minus 280, the comeback on Jim Miller plus 235. So again, line kind of staying near opening price, and I think it's about right as well. Bobby Green should be able to outpoint Jim Miller. I mean, it's 2021. Both these guys are definitely not in the prime of their careers, although Green has kind of hit his stride despite losing his last fight to Moises. I mean, he was on a three-fight winning streak, and he looked good in those fights for sure. And again, he's you know can't really knock him for that loss. Moises is an improving up-and-coming talent as well, so not necessarily a bad loss. And he's fighting an aging vet Jim Miller, which still shows some life sometimes, man. I mean, Miller has been one of these mainstays in the UFC lightweight division for some time. You know what you're getting with him. I mean, I always say it on these podcasts when we're covering Jim Miller. I mean, at one point, he was one of the best lightweights in the world. Phenomenal. I mean, this guy, durable. He's got decent striking. The wrestling aspect is there. And then, of course, the slick, slick jujitsu game offensively. I think he's one of the best grapplers and submission artists in the UFC lightweight division offensively. So a lot to like about Jim Miller. The problem is he is getting to that point. He's 37 years old. He's not getting any younger, although he's got a lot of fight left in him. It seems like he's not – obviously, the last couple of fights he did not get finished, um, which is – pretty impressive i think especially at age 37 so he's coming to fight and he he has the ability to make things interesting he's, like i said he's not a fish on the water on the feet he's got the takedown ability bobby green has faced those type of fighters before though i mean guys that are looking to take him down and control him try to submit him or whatnot he's not an easy guy to control like that so on the feet he's gonna be quicker he's gonna be slicker i think he'll do more damage and i think he probably outpoints miller to win this fight so i wouldn't be even shocked if green possibly lands 
something solid in, in rocks Miller and possibly gets him out of there. Miller's a tough guy, not easy, but I'm saying I think Green's going to be able to flow pretty well in this fight on the feet, stuff enough takedowns, and I think the opening might be there for him to possibly finish. But if not, I think he still outpoints Jim Miller and uh, gets a stun on the scorecard. So should be a pretty interesting fight, but I think you do definitely have to lean Bobby Green here, and I'm going to pick him to win. And I'm going to go with Bobby Green as well. Um, Jim Miller is pretty much submission or bust at this point. Um, his last, uh, at least four or five, uh, victories have all come by submission, uh, quickly. So if he's going to win this fight, he's probably going to latch onto something and tap out, uh, Bobby Green. The problem is Bobby Green hasn't been submitted in 12 years. So I'm pretty confident in Bobby Green being able to avoid uh, a submission, even from a grappler as talented as Jim Miller. And then uh, Bobby Green has pretty good defensive wrestling, um, and he should be the better striker here. So uh, I think Green outpoints Miller over the course of three rounds and maybe even finishes him along the way with uh, some uh, with strikes because Miller is a little bit uh, less durable as he used to be. But... Um, I still think that, uh, Green has enough gas left in the tank to get some quality wins here. This is a very winnable fight for him, especially with, uh, how difficult he's been to submit over the course of his career. So, um, uh, now Miller is going to be one of the most threatening submission artists he's faced, but I still think he's up to the challenge here. So, um, I think Green takes this one, so he's going to be my pick. Now moving up to the middleweight division, we have Kelvin Gastelum, who is 16 and 6, taking on Ian Heinish, who is 14 and 3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Gastelum open minus 190. The comeback on Heinish at plus 165. Right now looking over Circus Sports, minus 210. Gastelum, the comeback on Heinish at plus 180. So a little bit more action coming in Gaslam's way. But as we're getting closer to fight time, we're seeing the line drop a little bit too because everybody loves the narrative here that Gaslam is done, declined, not the same fighter as he was. Heinish is a live dog here. That's what I keep hearing over and over and over again. Possible. I mean, I'm not going to discount it, but at the same time, Gaslam really declined because he got knee barred by Hermanson in his last fight, which – that can happen to a lot of people, but he came out guns ablazing. He was looking pretty good before he got uh, heel hooked in that spot. Had to be smarter, and you got to worry about that fight IQ wise more than anything else. But I don't think Heinish is going to knee bar him or heel hook him, I, I should say. So I think he's good there. Um, and then losing that close split decision type of fight to Darren Till, which is a middleweight contender, is that a bad loss? And then, of course, the fight before that to Adesanya. I mean, the king of the middleweight division right now, and he took him to the limit and gave him his hardest fight. Is that a bad loss? I don't think so. I, I don't get it. I mean, everybody thinking he's a decline fighter because he's lost three in a row, but look at the competition level he's lost to. Heinish, on the other hand, is an improving fighter. I know he's got that hunger. He, he's a strong guy, pushes a high pace. He's going to have confidence coming off that knockout win over Mearshart. I get it. Right. And I think he can make this a pretty competitive fight and have his moments. And Gaslam's going to have to respect Heinish's power here. Right. But I don't think Heinish is a better striker. I don't think Heinish is a better wrestler. I don't think Heinish is a better grappler. I'm going to pick Gaslam here. I think everybody is just 
kind of missing the boat and thinking Gaslam is done here, and I don't think he really is. Again, this will be a competitive fight. I get it. Heinrich is going to show up, and this is a big spot for him because if he can pick off Gaslam, he gets himself in the title mix or the talk uh, about a future contender or whatever, right? So he's right there. He's knocking on that door. I just don't think Gaslam's going to let him in. I mean, he's lost three in a row. He knows how important this fight is to him. I think he's going to come out here and take it. So I wouldn't be shocked if Gaslam even catches Heinish along the way, but I think more than anything, it'll be a competitive decision, but clear enough for Gaslam to win it. So my pick is Gaslam. And honestly, if this price drops under two to one, you've got to be all over it. I think there's a little bit of value minus 210 right now as well. So again, that's kind of fading what everybody else is thinking out there. I just don't think you guys are right, man. All the live dog Heinish people backers out there. I don't know. I think you're just kind of discrediting Gaslam at this point of his career. And I think he's got enough left in the tank that he's going to prove everybody wrong here. So at least I hope so, because like I said, I'm going to pick Gaslam here in this spot. I think he's not done quite yet. And I think he's got a point to prove and I think he does it. So my pick Gaslam. I look at a fight. I always try to see it on both sides. And I, I try to see where can both guys win this fight um, with Gastelum. I can see him outpointing Heinish on the feet. I can see him knocking out Heinish on the feet. I can see him out wrestling Heinish. I could see him even going for a submission against Heinish. With Heinish, I'm not really seeing an easy path to victory, especially in a three-round fight. Um, Gastelum at times has slowed down in a five-round fight, but uh, in a three-round fight, um, where's Heinish's biggest edge here? I mean, he's scrappy. He's tough. He's tenacious, but uh, in terms of skill level and technique, I mean, he's just not there. Uh, he's got a little bit of power, you know, but that's, you know, power to knock out Gerald Mearshart, not power to knock out Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, you know, if anything, it's Gastelum that's going to be getting the knockout if these guys are slugging it out on the feet. So I think Gastelum has a huge edge in the stand-up, and I just don't see Heinish making up for that by being scrappy. Um, you know, this is a huge step down in terms of competition level. Now, Gastelum might fight down to that level, and that could uh, backfire on him here. But in terms of pure skill and technique, uh, Gastelum still is way ahead of Heinish, in my opinion. Uh, I think Heinish uh, is really going to struggle to find success during this fight. I, Unless Gastelum just completely gasses, which I just don't see happening, considering he went five rounds without Asanya, I'm, I got to go Gastelum here. I think uh, Heinish doesn't have that ability to find a finish out of nowhere like uh, Hermanson did in uh, in Gastelum's last fight. So uh, unless Heinish just lands the cleanest, nastiest shot that knocks out Gastelum, um, other than that, it happening, I think uh, the more likely outcome here is Gastelum by decision or Gastelum potentially even finishing him along the way. So Gastelum's going to be my pick. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the women's flyweight division, we have Macy Barber, who is 8-1, taking on Alexa Grasso, who is 12-3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Barber up at minus 130, Grasso plus 110. Right now, looking over at Circus Sports, we're seeing minus 110 either way. This line did flip. Grasso was a bigger favorite. Now the betting line is 
bet back down to a pick. A lot of two-way action is coming in on this fight. A lot of split opinions on this fight as well. I can understand it. Look, if you're looking at this, you got to be saying to yourself, Grasso is the more technical fighter. She's going to have a little bit of a speed advantage. Barber gets hit often. Grasso's takedown ability is takedown defense ability is getting better fight by fight. Uh, she's been in some grueling fights already, so she's improved big time since she's entered the UFC, and it shows. And now fighting at 125, she doesn't have to do that nasty weight cut. She's going to be a little bit more comfortable. She's put on some muscle mass. There's a lot to like about Grasso. Barbara on the other side of it, coming off that knee injury, coming off that devastating loss to Matafari where she was a huge favorite and everybody was expecting her to just roll. She lost the first round legit, no matter what anybody says about the injury. I mean, that injury happened early in the second round. So she lost the round one to Matafari legit. She's a slow starter. That's what Barbara is. And that's not necessarily a good thing. But that said, I mean, the injury did have an impact, I think. And Matafari is always a tough out, meaning that she's such an awkward type of fighter to fight against that she's not going to make you fight the best fight. I think we've seen it time and time again, time and time again, where she's hung in there with really solid fighters, pulled off some upset wins in her past. So it's nothing new with Matafari. But I understand that in a lot of people's minds, what they were expecting out of Barber and how she performed in that fight was a big letdown. And I think everybody's kind of punishing for her, punishing her for that performance overall and the injury or whatnot. I, I don't know. I don't think this is the same fight at all. I think that Grasso is going to bring the stand-up game, of course. That's what she likes to do here. She might even uh, try to mix in a takedown if she has to because Barbara's going to be sitting in the pocket slinging leather. I mean, she's going to be throwing hard punches. And that's kind of why I like her in this fight too as well because Grasso's going to come in. She's going to be landing some shots here and there. Barbara's going to be sitting in the pocket landing the harder shots. So I think everybody thinks it's going to be kind of a blowout on the feet. I don't think it will be. I think Barbara's going to do a lot of damage, and she's going to kind of sway this fight in her favor even if it stays upright. The difference maker for me is when Barbara could get this to, to the floor. She's not the wrestler that Esparza is or Suarez is, but she has a different way of, of going about her takedowns. And I think she can get this fight to the ground, especially if she's working her stand-up game and getting inside and using that to kind of open up her takedown attempts as well. So I think Barber can finish this fight on the ground. She's proven it time and time again with her ground to pound, nasty ground to pound. She has the ability to finish by submission. She has the ability to win this fight on the feet. And she has the ability to win this fight on the scorecards. I mean, again, the hesitation for me is definitely seeing how she per performs after that injury and seeing if she's just back to herself. If she's back to the, the pre-Matafari fight, she's going to be a really live dog here because so there is some people that still have her at even money or a pick em, or a plus money, I should say, excuse me, uh, for Barbara out there. And I think she, the opening line was actually more realistic. She should be a slight favorite in this fight. Again, I have a lot of respect for Grasso. I get what people are saying. She should be the better striker here, more technical. I just think Barbara's going to be landing the more damaging blows, and she has more passive victory. So I'm picking Barbara here. I think she gets it done, and at plus money, there's value her way as well. Yeah, this one should be interesting. I mean, Barber is a really good talent, and she was hyped for a reason, but I think that there are some issues. I mean, you look at how she wins, um, and, you know, Jillian Robertson, her last win, you know, that's a fighter that is not going to be very good on in the stand-up, and, and she was just able to completely overwhelm Robertson on the feet. Uh, Hannah Cyphers was actually, you know, doing okay with her on the feet, and then Barber got her down and then beat her by ground and pound. J.J. Aldrich was actually beating her in the first round, and then Barber kind of gritted her teeth and dug deep to win. 
And then the last fight that she had, she tore her knee and ended up losing a decision to Montefiore. So, uh, you know, I don't think that she's this unstoppable wrecking machine. Now she is a good athlete. She's got power. She's got speed and, and agility and everything, but, uh, Grasso's got some good striking technique. I think Grasso can actually outpoint Barber on the feet. Um, when Barber can't overwhelm her opponent, I think that she tends to f- pull back a little bit. And we haven't really seen Grasso get, uh, you know, completely dominated on the feet or anything. So I think Grasso can actually hold her own with Barber on the feet and maybe even outpoint her there. Uh, I think that actually is the more likely outcome that she outpoints her on the feet. Now, the one concern I have is uh, Barber, I think her biggest strength is wrestling top position and ground and pound. If she can do that against Grasso, then there's a pretty good path to victory there for Barber. Um, we've seen uh, Grasso get controlled by Tatiana Suarez, ended up getting uh, submitted. And then, you know, Carlos Barza did sneak some takedowns in there to win a majority decision against her. So um, there definitely is the path to victory here for Barber, and it's it's through her wrestling. But, you know, how is her knee going to handle, you know, the ability to, to shoot in for takedowns? Um, and is Grasso, you know, moving up a weight class or for her second fight in a row here, is uh, she going to be able to uh, fend her off? Because uh, both of these girls have fought at 115 before. Um, so I think uh, Grasso, her technique and ability, I've underrated her a little bit. I think uh, at times I've underestimated her. And I think that this is a chance for her to, to show that technique and skill. And I can see her uh, doing just enough to, to squeak out a decision here. So uh, I'm going to go with Grasso. The only thing I'm really concerned about is if Barber does consistently get some takedowns. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening, we have a UFC welterweight title fight featuring champion Kamaru Usman, who is 17-1, taking on challenger Gilbert Burns, who is 19-3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Usman minus 225, Burns plus 190. That was the opening price. And right now over Circus Sports, we're seeing minus 270, the comeback plus 230 on Burns. Man, am I pissed. Minus 190, minus 200. That was a price we could have got at UFC 251. I've said this on a couple shows already, and I will keep saying it. Right now, minus 225, the opener, minus 230s, 240s out there when Sportsbooks went up to, with the line is not minus 190. And now we're getting closer to minus 300. Makes me mad because the line value is basically disappearing. I mean, I, I think at the most, this line should be maybe minus 300. So it's sitting about right where it's at now, and it's making it difficult to bet Usman in this spot. I think he does win this fight. Look, I, I got a lot of respect for Burns, and since he moved up to the welterweight division and has kind of had a steady career in, in that division, I mean, he's looked great, meaning that I mean he's filled out. He's put on some muscle mass. His conditioning looks better. His durability is better. He's always been one of these guys that's improving his striking. I mean, let's not forget, Burns is one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners the sport of MMA has ever seen. I mean, up there with the likes of Damian Maya, just an elite, elite level grappler. I mean, that's how good this guy is on the ground, right? So typically speaking, brown guys can't really strike that good. Burns is an exception, man. I mean, he's been knocking people out. He's improving. I mean, he's just an athlete. He picks up things very well, obviously, and he, he adapts and he gets better with a good camp, Henry Hooft. You know, in his corner, whatnot, training with Usman in the past. We all know the narrative there. 
there's a lot to like about Burns. I just think this is a difficult matchup for him. I think Usman is the better striker. He's got better hands, at least. I think Burns is the better kicker, but I do think Usman has a better boxing. And uh, talk about improving. If you look at Usman's striking from his UFC debut till now, holy. I mean, just out of this world improvements. I mean, he's getting better, faster, more accurate. Obviously, he's more powerful. I mean, more damage is inflicted when he lands his striking as well along the way. So there's a lot to like about Usman. He's not just your one-dimensional wrestler that's going to grind you out anymore. I mean, he definitely became a better mixed martial artist. And working with the likes of Burns in the past has definitely improved his game. So these guys have made each other better throughout their careers. And now I think I love the move from Usman, honestly, training with Trevor Whitman and Gaethje and crew in Colorado. I think that's a good spot for him there. And I, I like that Burns kind of stuck obviously in Florida and has all his, you know, coaching and all the elements that he's used to in that spot as well. So I think there's a lot to like on both sides here, but overall, I think Usman's going to push the higher pace. I think he's the more durable fighter of the two. I think he can actually, with his hands, eventually catch Burns and possibly put him out. A lot of people are, are betting this fight goes over. I get it because this is probably going to be one of these fights that they want to push each other up against a cage, and the pace of this fight could slow down. I think we will see a little bit of respect factor in here as well, meaning they know each other pretty well. So I don't think they're going to go crazy, but make no mistakes. When they get the opportunity in the opening, I think they're going to pounce on it, and I think they will look for a finish here. So – I'm not so sure that this does hit the scorecards, to be honest with you. I think Usman might finish Burns a knockout before it gets there. And overall, I think if Burns is going to win this fight, he has to almost finish Usman as well, meaning he needs to rock him, maybe hop on a sub or something of that nature. So tough spot because the betting line, I don't like where it's at right now. Um, and it's almost a dogger pass situation as it increases. But I don't think Burns is going to win this fight despite the improvements of his game. I like Usman here. So I do pick Usman to win this fight. It's just harder for me to bet this time around than it was at UFC 251 when I was getting closer to minus 200 than minus 300. So line value is definitely important, and you have to respect that. So harder bet to make. I'm going to stay away from it probably at this point, obviously, unless it drops drastically. But I'm going to pick Usman to win because I think he retains his title, and he is just a dominant, dominant force in the welterweight division. Yeah, I definitely admire Gilbert Burns and, and he definitely deserves this opportunity, but there's just nobody fighting at that same level that Kamaru Usman is fighting at right now. Uh, Usman has that unique combination of, uh, slick striking, great durability, aggression, um, the ability to just keep going and going, uh, without slowing down. And then you mix in, uh, the takedowns and top position and ground and pound. And, and I just don't know who beats him at this point. Um, now you factor in that he's training with Trevor Whitman in elevation. Um, I mean, this guy is going to be unstoppable. Uh, Gilbert Burns is uh, a good striker and a, a, a really good striker with a, an incredible ground game. But unless he lands the cleanest shot that he's ever landed um, against Usman and knocks him out, or unless Usman, for some reason, leaves his neck exposed on a takedown attempt or something, and Burns is able to latch onto uh, a choke, I just don't see it happening for him. Like, I do not see Burns uh, winning rounds here. He's he's needs to catch him. So, uh, I mean, he's going to have five rounds to do it. But I just think Usman wears Burns down over the course of five rounds. Um, that's just what he does. Um, you've seen it uh, in his fights 
uh, against Masvidal in particular, most recently, just really, really smart, uh, taking Masvidal out of his element, uh, with the clinch, with, uh, takedowns, with just constant pressure without, you know, just leaning into a flying knee or something stupid. Uh, you know, this guy is a really high fight IQ type of fighter. Um, uh, and he's getting better and better every time we see him. And working with Trevor Whitman, his striking is going to get even better. And it was already good, and now it's going to be even better. So um, there's really not that much more to say. I mean, Gilbert Burns has been on a great run, and he's picked up some quality wins, uh, most notably, uh, you know, the the finish against Damian Maya, and then more recently, uh, the win against Tyron Woodley. But uh, I just don't think that he's quite at that level of Usman in any particular area. I mean, he's he's the better at submissions, but how is he going to submit Usman? I just don't see Usman putting himself in that type of position where he gets caught. So uh, I think, like Nick said, Usman just wears Burns down and maybe finishes him in the fourth or fifth round. So that's going to be my pick. I think uh, he wins a pretty one-sided fight. I just do not see Burns uh, finding that opening that he needs. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC 258. Uh, if we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. You can also check out our free bet section on MMAOddsBreaker.com in the free bets tab. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend. <laughs> <laughs>